You're listening to the Classically Trained Podcast, the show for life and leadership lessons from classic video games. Now, here's your host, John D. Harrison. And welcome to another episode of the Classically Trained Podcast. This episode has been a long time in the making. I have been looking forward to have a chance to speak with today's guest, Mr. Nathan Barnett. He's an actor whose work I first ran across on YouTube, though he's not a YouTuber in a long-term sense, but he's got a few, whoa, 100 million views or so. Uh, nonetheless, we talk about video games, we talk about some of his characters, and we talk about a lot of great lessons from his career that you can apply to whatever career you're in. So I hope you'll take the time to listen to today's episode. We did kind of go on and on, so today's episode does fill out almost a, uh, well, just a bit more than a full hour, but I guarantee you it is worth the ride. But first, today's episode is brought to you by the book Mastering the Game, What Video Games Can Teach Us About Success in Life. It takes a look at how the same habits and principles that lead to success when playing video games can be applied to your own personal and business success. So Mastering the Game provides analogies, examples, and lessons for connecting the dots between how gamers play and how successful professionals work. Are you ready to take your career to the next level? Now available on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Today's guest is Nathan Barnett. He is an actor, comedian, dancer, and filmmaker. He's been in many videos, movies, shorts, and he's known for High School USA, Kirby Buckets, and Talking Classics as Keith Apicary. After a performance on Comedy Central's Gong Show, Andy Dick called him the next Buster Keaton. His dance videos are legendary, as is his love for video games of all kinds. Please welcome to the show, Nathan Barnett. Ah, hello. Welcome hey there. to listening to me. <laughs> hey, it's a real pleasure. Um, I, I don't know how I convinced you to show up today, but I appreciate it. So let's talk about you. Okay, no problem. I remember how it happened. You said, hey, and I said, hi, please keep talking to me. I need friends. <laughs> and now we haven't stopped talking since. One of the things I want to do before we get into all my genius questions that took hours to come up with, um, I want to know, for those who aren't listening, a little more about who you are and what you do. Hmm. Well, uh, I always tell people I'm a professional moron because I just act like an idiot on camera and I get paid for it. Right? But I guess if I was to speak highly of myself, I would say... Um, I'm a physical comedian or just a comedian. who uh, I do characters. Uh, I really like performing in character. Um, and I really like physical comedy. So that's often what you tend to see in the majority of my content. I'm a big fan of Buster Keaton and like Sasha Baron Cohen and Jim Carrey and that kind of comedian. But I'm bald. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> add that to my <laughs> resume competitive advantage yeah right? it actually helps it helps a lot when i started losing my hair i started booking a lot more stuff because I, I had like a look you know and it came became my thing so i think i thank uh the earth for pulling out all those hairs 
<laughs> well, my first exposure to you was uh, as Keith in the Talking Classics series, which um, I absolutely love. Thank you. Um, can you can you talk a little bit about Keith and his journey? Because he's he's had a couple different stops along the way. So where did he start? Where did he come from? And, and what's he up to today? Okay, this is a good question because I actually currently am going to be streamlining Keith and kind of changing things up a little bit with Keith. Keith has been all over the map over these years, um, and that has, is due to due to my uh, actual genuine interests, and I just use Keith to exploit my interests because <laughs> he gets me indoors. <laughs> uh, but Keith uh, Apicary is, um, I always say he's three years younger than me, so he's, right now he's 32, I'm 35, uh, and he is an avid video game player. He loves video games. He's, a, he's obsessed with them. And he's more into, like, kind of more, more aggressive masculine games, if you will, like Sega Genesis games, Neo Geo games, Turbo Graphics, anything that kind of has, like, attitude. He loved that whole um, the, the Sega Nintendo war, and he was totally on the Sega side. And uh, he's, he's, he's kind of an idiot, but he's kind and ignorant and nice. He's like a 14-year-old boy in his brain, but someone's 35 year old uncle and his, his exterior so uh how he came about was i i uh was just working on characters and it's kind of like when i drive around i'll do different voices and work on like you know personalities and things and i started doing this voice with the spit in my mouth and i did a more of a boston accent originally so he's kind of talking like this and he's from new england and uh how's it going guys because he was like it was like a kind of contrast of like this dude from Boston but he had a lisp and he looked like an idiot so he kind of sounded more like a regular dude that I went to school with you know uh, back in Massachusetts and um, then I started losing the accent over like the first year and now it's just basically my voice with a lisp and I kind of raised his octave a little bit Um, so anyways uh, he just he's he's a document see I tend to ramble I should warn uh, I go no, on cool. and on and I try to like get these streamlined answers, but it's tough because I start thinking of all kinds of things. So pardon my long answers. Um, but he is that he started out in a documentary on his life called talking classics. And it was as if this documentary was just, it was when King of Kong came out and I, I loved the King of Kong. I was like, this is awesome. And then I remember seeing um, clips on YouTube of Gal- uh, chasing ghosts, which was like another video game documentary. So I loaded the first episode of Talking Classics as if it was like this excerpt that someone took like five minutes from a documentary and this five minutes focused on this one guy, Keith Apicary, and they just loaded it to YouTube. That was like what my thinking of it was. And I'm I'm not sure if that's what came across. I think it is because people believe that he was a real person and this was a documentary on him. Um, so he's always like looking off talking to someone. And I did an episode, I put three of them on YouTube and right around when I was putting the third one up, Craig from ScrewAttack emailed me and said, or maybe I emailed him and said, hey, I like your site. So I was like looking at stuff. I forget how it happened, but we were talking um, about making stuff. And he's like, I love your Keith character. Um, we should like host it. So then I started putting the, the next episodes for like a year or more. I put Talking Classics up there. Then he got me into E3 for the first time. And I went to E3 as Keith and just kind of ran around. I saw Craig at like like one point only. He's like, yeah, just go do your thing. And I was like, all right. And I went and caused all kinds of insanity because Keith <laughs> gets carried away and he gets really excited uh, when he's, he's 
he does a lot of things in real life that like you, you don't do it, we got, he doesn't have the, the sense to not he's like oh cool a giant robot i want to get on it and so he climbs up it and then he does he's like a kid basically and i always end up getting kicked out of these places but i'm never trying to like be aggressively like trolling anyone some people have called keith a troll on youtube because i think that's if they don't know him and they just kind of see a clip or two like of me right. getting kicked off a panel but if you see keith overall and you know everything about him he's not a troll i would because i'm not a troll i don't like get, making anyone really uncomfortable necessarily but it just happens sometimes when i have an idea in in the overall scope of the piece it will be a, a moment you know but uh, he's basically just a fool so yeah that's i could go on and on about <laughs> keith but he's no, I, I love that about and him. he's dumb dumber than me <laughs> so i want to go back because you, you talked about just this sort of lack of i don't know if i want to call it lack of awareness but he just ends up doing things that, that i gotta look i was a little envious of some of the stunts that he's pulled like <laughs> like what it would be like to do that so i vicariously have enjoyed um can you talk about the whole incident at the airport oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that was uh that was after I went to PAX East the first time and uh, I didn't get kicked out of PAX East that year. I had a panel, but I did get in trouble kind of for doing my panel. Cause I was like flipping and doing flips on the stage and like the security dude there who was just like some volunteer kid just did not want me doing flips on the stage. I clearly could like handle myself because I was, um, you know, physically capable and landing these flips or whatever and um or a flip and he just like don't do it and i was like uh it's like that's like going to someone's panel who's like a professional I, I would say i'm a professional like you know stunt man and i can do flips and jumps and like i do that i get paid to do that and i took gymnastics for a while so that's like someone going into i was very annoyed by that guy because i went this is a long answer again i'm not even talking about <laughs> i'll get to the airport i swear um but he i just i'm still bent on this <laughs> he uh he's like, didn't want me doing it and i was like you can't tell me what to do in my panel this is my panel i'm not hurting anyone but myself i'm gonna do this flip that's what i'm thinking in my head so then i just did the flip and spiked this dude who kept, kept, kept telling me no and then my crowd went crazy my, it was like all my fans and they were into it and keeps a bad dude does what he wants doesn't obey the rules so uh <laughs> anyways i they they, they kind of shut my panel down a little bit earlier than i signed autographs outside and they were like okay just go home for the day because we can't handle all, all this stress from you <laughs> so uh then i went home and on the way home back to la from massachusetts um i wanted to get a shot for the video i was doing for pax and Keith had been in the trouble in the airport on his way to SGC the first year. I did a video of me climbing on the baggage claim and stuff. And I did this whole bit with like the TSA and Keith trying to go down in the baggage claim to get his bag <laughs> because he, he was in a, really impatient. He wanted to get to the convention and they just, we've you know, all been there. Yeah. It's like, Oh my God, I'm here. I got to get into this convention. Where the heck is my bag? So Keith was doing that. And, uh, that was a video so then i was like okay i want to do another video where keith kind of does some nonsense in an airport because people really liked that video so all i wanted was one shot it was a gag that because the setup for this shot i was going to get on the baggage claim was keith's like okay i got invited to pax east but i'm not really allowed in airports so let's see how i gotta figure out a way to get there 
And then it cuts to a shot of a baggage claim that goes up into the ceiling. And then Keats comes rolling out of the ceiling down the baggage claim. And then he's like, I made it. So it's the joke is as if he rode in the undercarriage of the plane. And that's how he got to PAX East. So I needed that shot. I was in LA. I just landed back from Boston. I was like, okay, I'm going to get this shot. So I set my camera up on a tripod. I pointed it at the baggage claim. And I just crawled up into the ceiling. And then I rolled out said the line started breaking the camera down i was gonna get out of there and some custodian had seen me he starts freaking out he's like no 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 he thought like i came out of the ceiling and he didn't know he didn't i guess he didn't notice my camera i'm sitting on the tripod and he goes and gets the, the cops and the cops come over and they like restrain me uh sit me down i put the memory card i saw him going and i didn't want someone to come and check the memory card and see the footage <laughs> so and they would know oh you're just messing around you're shooting a video you're we're kicking you out of the airport and we're you know or we're taking you to jail or whatever so my plan every time i get in trouble with keith when i get in serious trouble i don't break character i stay in character because i feel like keith if he talks to someone they're gonna like not know if something's wrong with him or they're gonna be like this guy's just an idiot He's not malicious. He had no negative intent. He's just stupid. Then he can't. I mean, chances are they'll let him go and be like, look, you idiot. Don't do this. But if you know, if he's like, oh, you're some dude who's filming a video and it's L.A. and they always like they always want you to get permits everywhere you go. And you definitely can't be filming in the airport for free. So but even though it was just a stupid little camera and me anyways, I just don't it's this. It wouldn't lead to anything good. So the cops came and I took the memory card and I put it between my butt cheeks and my underwear. Cause like, didn't want, I didn't want to like fall down my sock, you know, and to have them pat me down and feel it. So it wasn't a very big memory card. It wasn't in my butt, but it was definitely between my butt cheeks. <laughs> so I hid my memory card in case they like looked at the footage. Cause that's happened to me with security guards. have like looked at my footage cause they wanted to see what I was doing. And I don't think they're supposed to do that, but they've definitely done it. And cops can be aggressive. So I just was preparing myself to, I didn't, want to lose this footage so the cops came and they're going through my bag and i had a sega justifier in there and a virtual boy and they didn't know what any of this stuff this stuff was they saw this big blue gun <laughs> and they were like whoa what's this i was like thinking in my head it's clearly a toy gun it's enormous and blue and has a cord connected to it but they're like what's this and they were like, like examining it so keith was answering them he's like that's the second justifier that's the game that came out for sega genesis oh that thing blew the light zapper away it was powered by 16 bits of pure aggression blah blah, blah. And i started going on i was doing like whole bits of these cops and then they were like looking at the virtual boy and i was like that's a modified virtual boy i actually put el wire on it so it looks like i'm in the movie tron and i walk around that thing i got a velcro strap on that and i can play virtual rally anywhere i want to go it doesn't really work out i walk into a lot of things and i kept rambling and rambling and they just said okay look you can't go up in the baggage claim. Never do that again. Go away. <laughs> they just like quickly shut me down and said, go away. They did not want to talk to me anymore. Because every time they asked me something, I gave them a long answer. And it worked. And they kicked me out. And I went home. And I was nervous the cops were following me. I was like so afraid. So I didn't take the memory card out of my pants until I got to my house. And because I just had this like paranoia that they were like on to me. And they were following me, and then they were going to see where I went. They are going to jump out, because, like, it was, it was, like, not too long after 9-11. I don't know what, maybe it was, like, what year was 9-11? 2001? This was, like, yeah. this was, like, 2009 or something, or or 10 or whatever. 
So it wasn't too much longer after that. And airports were crazy. So I was like super afraid that they thought I was like some conspiracy dude or something. But I also get paranoid when I get in trouble. So uh, that's my long story about me going up in the baggage claim at LAX. <laughs> well, no, this is this is good, though, because, I, you know, this brings up a question I, I want you to answer for me is um, where does this bravery, where does this courage come from? Because I think it takes a special mindset to realize that some of the rules are for a reason. Some of them are just ridiculous. And, and all of us see those rules that we just want to say, you know what, that rule is ridiculous. Why do we keep doing that? But part of us says, no, you can't break the rules. Just get in line. So where, where does that come from, from you when you think about that bravery you have? I don't know. I, I don't know where it comes from. Cause my dad's, when he sees these videos of me, like dancing around my underwear, doing like, just not caring about anything. He's like, Oh my God, Nathan, I don't know how you do that. He's just like, he gets embarrassed for me and like a lot of my friends do too but I don't know what in high school I guess I was a little rambunctious um I don't I just I guess I just never got embarrassed actually I guess I've always been like that I really think about myself in high school I was kind of like wild and I and like I never drank or did drugs like ever um I drank for the first time a couple of years ago and I just did not like it. And I was like, oh, I hated it. It tasted horrible. I'm, alcohol doesn't work for me. So I've never had substances in my body. So I've never been, and I've always been like that, I guess. In high school, I was like mm. the wild guy. If you see, there's a high school picture of me online and my hair is like, it kind of really sums me up. My hair is, it looks like a flame. I just look like a wild person. Um, <laughs> I just kind of, I don't know. I've always had energy. And then, well, actually, there's a home video too. Yeah. I don't know, I've just always been like that. Um, uh, <laughs> so I just don't think I've ever cared about authority. But oh, I guess I have been a little bit anti-authority, a little bit more so than this, just like the middle of the road, like obeying some rules, breaking some rules. I always lean up a little bit more towards sc- saying screw the authority. Um, <laughs> I was really into punk and stuff in high school, and I was in like a, a straight edge punk band with my brother just after high school, and. Um, I got beat up a lot in high school, like actually beat up by like football team and stuff and harassed big time. And I was always like, I just ne- never let them like, they didn't want them to like, get to me. And I just would never like, I don't know. I didn't want to like be the, the beaten down guy, even though I actually was getting beaten down. So I think a lot of this comes from me saying, screw you, you can't control me. <laughs> so, but at the same time, I don't want to cause anyone problems and be this jackass. So when I think when I do as Keith, it comes out because it's not really me and I'm allowing myself to like get away with something that I wouldn't normally want to do. Cause I wouldn't just go into a store as Nathan and just start like, like knocking stuff over. But if there's a <laughs> camera on me and I'm in character and it's for a greater good, in my opinion, for a video that's going to make a lot of people laugh, then I feel like, oh, it's an even trade. I'll knock all this stuff over. People will enjoy it. And then I'll pay for all this stuff. So there's like no one, no harm, no foul. So uh, I don't know. I just, I've never been reserved in uh, I'll do anything, I guess. But that is also dangerous because then I have gone too far physically and I've gone too far like legally. And I, I, I end up like, like just doing things that like that could have killed me. And could have put me in jail for, you know, like trespassing or whatever. Like me and my brother climb on buildings all the time. We sneak on property and try to get on roofs and climb up fire escapes of places and hide and hide in places we're not supposed to be when security's like, like, you know, walking around. Like, I just like sneaking around and I'm kind of adventurous, I guess. But um, SGC, Keith shattered my heel a couple of years ago. 
because he got carried away and climbed up into a 14 foot ledge and jumped off of it and shattered my heel. So I do have to like think and censor myself because I don't want to end up in jail and I don't want to like be paralyzed. So (laughs) after that SGC, I've really like slowed down a little bit. And that kind of comes into like what I was saying earlier when I'm going to like streamline Keith. Keith got into wrestling and because there was like some interest in WWE and I had this feud with Dolph Ziggler and uh, Vince McMahon likes Keith apparently. So um, I'm now streamlining and Keith is going to solely be involved with, with video games like he was originally. And like, you know, he'll do his crazy stuff at conventions from time to time. But I'm not going to do wrestling stuff with him anymore. I have this new character because I, I like wrestling myself. So I'm, I have this new character I've been working on he will become my wrestling guy and I'm just going to distance Keith from wrestling and separate. So it's like, Oh, I have my video game character. I got my wrestling character. I have this like new sailor guy that I'm working on. And I also have this like uh metal slash thrash guy that I'm working on. So I have a couple of new things I'm doing, but um, Keith is going strictly back to video games and like talking classics. Whenever I get time to finish shooting the new talking classics, that will go up. <laughs> so <laughs> Amongst everything else. Yeah, right? oh, amongst auditioning every single day, memorizing 12 pages of dialogue for these auditions and the, these the TV things I'm developing, all these meetings. I mean, I'm in so many meetings that, that just, like, most of my time is spent in meetings on these projects that we're developing for, like, TV series, and I can't ever talk about them, and there's nothing to show for them. I feel like, a, like, 95% of my time, creative time, goes nowhere and it's like there's nothing that comes out of it so the time i have left i shoot these little cheap little videos and i put them on youtube and if you're just an ex watching on the outside it looks like oh that's this guy only puts out this every two months i put out like this keith playing let's play playing a video game i'm very ashamed of my content as of lately because <laughs> i don't have like a lot of great stuff that i can put out because before when i was making videos non-stop i wasn't auditioning for all these things and i wasn't uh developing all this tv stuff it was i was solely making videos every hour of every day went towards making videos and now i just can't because i'm trying to go for something bigger right now i'm trying to like get a tv show or get cast in a a feature you know so i'm trying to do a bigger thing because i after doing like years and years of videos i've been putting videos out since i was 14 i used to have a cable access sketch show i did with my brothers and since um that's like 11 years no, that's 21 years ago. Oh, my God. insane <laughs> to say that. That sounds so weird to say 21 years. Isn't it? I have 21-year-old friends. Oh, my gosh. So the span of their whole lives, I've been shooting content. Oh, wow. But, but, yeah, and it's, like, it's fun, but I really want to do something bigger and, like, do what I originally planned on doing was become, like, a Jim Carrey, you know, and, like, be known worldwide. And I think I've done a pretty good job, like, of doing it on my own just by putting videos on the Internet. It's been a good like boost in a first step in a good like you know launching pad but now i gotta go farther i can't i this can't be all i do with my life i have to like i have to go leagues beyond so okay so let's let's talk about that a bit um and i'm gonna launch into that question by uh referencing something else you did you you did a a tedx talk that i saw that uh i, th- yeah, I thought was great that was... and that that really got me thinking about that i'm sorry go ahead. No, i was just saying that was crazy that they asked me to do that but yes continue sorry <laughs> yeah yeah so i mean that's that's a fantastic experience in and of itself um but as as i'm watching this i'm thinking about like the question i wanted to ask you did have to do with legacy you know you you have this capacity this ability this platform to create something that that you've had an experience where you've garnered 
literally millions of views on videos, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, my total views, my manager is going up. If we count like videos that aren't on my channel that I've done, my video video views of everything I've been in that's been like that we consider like a Nathan video because it's like all me and I'm not just like appearing mm -hmm. in it. You know, there's a, over right. 300 million views. Um, yeah, a lot of that that, that's tremendous. Videos I do. Yeah, it's bananas. It's insane. I, and like when I first started putting videos up, I would have never thought 300 million people would see me. And I get not. This isn't to sound cool, but like I, it's 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 a, it's just weird. I get recognized every day, and I'm walking around somewhere. I go somewhere. Someone's like, "Oh, hey, I love your videos." And like, I don't feel like it, that's warranted because I don't feel I don't see that on the internet like my my channel doesn't have a million subscribers i have like three hundred thousand, but I, I think it's just like i get around a lot and people pass the stuff that does get around really gets around i also tell people i'm an a-list celebrity in the gif world because <laughs> i've been gifed more than i think than uncredited any. it's uncredited so many people have seen me and like they, they yeah. just and they see me and they recognize me from seeing me on the internet. They might not necessarily remember what it was they saw me, but like my face, I think it's out there. And a lot of the commercials I've done on TV have aired for a long time, and people just kind of like remember me from things. So I think it's, it's that, right. that balding. I got lucky. I lost that hair. Once I lost my hair, people remember my <laughs> face. So yeah, it's crazy. When I first started happening, I was like, I cannot believe that this is like a thing. Like people know me. My mom loves it. Whenever I'm with my mom back in Massachusetts. And we go somewhere and I get recognized, she like loses her mind. She's like, This is so amazing. She just thinks it's cool because her son is like, you know, doing something that is kind of hard to do. So it's neat when it's with my mom and stuff. But, um, and I, I never complain. I love it. Anytime someone wants to recognize me, I like talk to them for way too long. I take pictures with them, I hang out with them, <laughs> and they become my best friend. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I'll never get sick of it. I absolutely love when people know me from doing stuff because that's like the whole point of this is to like make people happy and uh they're making me happy by being happy watching my stuff so so let's talk about then what is font and i don't want to get too far because we're already having like epistemological self-realizations when we talk like how old we actually are because i'm in the same boat but it's what's uh what's legacy for you what's what do you want to be most remembered for and, and hopefully that'll be way 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 in the future um i just want to be remembered for like making people like genuinely happy and like really like really laugh and that's like the easiest way to do that is kind of through laughter for me that's i've always been it's easier for me to like be funny um to make people happy so i love to just like i get a lot of cool messages from people who are like real bummed out and like how much one of my videos has helped them and like especially the dance videos because they're just like the dance videos are just like pure joy <laughs> i really like music and i like dancing so i get this feeling from some songs so i'm like i have to make this and it get this feeling out of me and hopefully other people will feel it feel what i felt by watching this video and it, it comes across i think a lot of times because i get these messages so I just want to make people happy, um, but mostly want to make people laugh. And I want to be known as just this, because like everyone wants to like kind of be known, you know, a little bit. But I want to be known as, uh, I don't know, for being me, I guess. Like, I don't want people to be like, oh, he was like a Jim Carrey. Obviously, I want to be known as like being Nathan Barnett, because my thing is a little different than him. Um, it's hard to like say exactly. I just, I want to be the, the the 
that guy <laughs> i don't know how to say it like but i can see it in my head like what i would like to be like i have these like really dark thoughts sometimes where you're like oh at my funeral i want them to say this and i then i had to stop <laughs> myself because i have like the what's the word um uh a superstition and i get like nervous like oh man even just saying that sentence right now i hope that doesn't curse me and then i will die it's like like the ultimate warrior when he was talking about dying and then like the next day he died it was so yeah. eerie so i'm like uh, hope that every time i talk about this it doesn't bring it closer and closer and so <laughs> i gotta remind myself to do no more stunt no more stunts and then i won't i'll be safe uh i just want to be known as like a funny person i guess that made people laugh and was like unique in my humor and i had my own thing like so because this is the thing that i like i guess that kind of sums up what i would like to be remembered as P- people could quote a lot of my stuff because all of my characters have weird ways of speaking and like mm-hmm. if someone would say oh that's totally a nathan barnett line or that's nathan barnett joke <laughs> because like a lot of like the characters like trail of house uh, yeah. um he has this way of speaking that's like so broken but it makes sense and it's like a unique way of making a joke. A lot of my jokes sometimes aren't jokes. They're just like a weird way of saying something that's like quotable. Um, I really like quotable characters. Like Napoleon Dynamite was like a lot of people when that came out and I was I was making videos for a little while and putting them on DVD and stuff. And a lot of people who knew my stuff would say the, the, that movie like ripped you off. And it didn't, I wouldn't say it ripped me off, but I think that Jared Hess is just on the same page as me and my brothers mm-hmm. and like how we yeah. like in our type of sense of humor. So that I would just like people to remember, say, remember, though, that's like a Nathan Barnett joke or that's like a Nathan Barnett thing. And like the way I move, even there's a, there's a commercial out right now for some candy. It's like called like Moeam or something, Mayoam. It's like a weird company name from England. And there's a commercial with this kid dancing and he dances in the way it's kind of cut and shot is looks a lot like one of my dance videos and people are like uh are they going to give you residuals for this video people have been tweeting <laughs> me so it's cool seeing that that people are like oh that's a nathan barnett thing and like my stuff cool. has totally been copied online and i've seen it in the other videos so it's like kind of like lame but then you're like oh i guess that's a compliment because that means my stuff was good enough for someone to want to do the same thing and I feel like if my stuff, if my, if I just keep making good stuff, then it can never be overshadowed by someone else's. You know, it'll always be like people will say, "Oh, that's a Nathan Barnett thing that you're doing." So, just more but of that. That's what I remember. Just a funny guy, I guess. That was a really long bad answer. <laughs> no, it's not a bad answer. It's a great one. Um, the the biggest challenge you probably have is, in many ways, you've accomplished it. Uh, I I think that you're you're there, at least in my own experience. Um. You know, I want to talk about some of the other characters. You, you mentioned Trail, mm-hmm. and and he has an interesting, um, interesting Trail. Uh, so his little <laughs> journey from where where he started and what he became, and I kind of watched that. And I, I got to tell you, to this day, I still have the uh, Trailer House ringtone on my phone. Oh, awesome! <laughs> so, nice. But but can you talk a little bit about the birth of his character and uh, and what came from that? Where you, where it took you? Um, uh, so a uh, trail, I was like Keith again, uh, yeah. trail, he, I had the idea to make these commercials that I saw. It started with this Will Ferrell thing. I saw when he was, uh, I forget what the movie was called. It was a basketball movie. What the heck was the name of that Will Ferrell basketball movie? Um, whatever it was, I forget that it's a short title. I can't remember though. It's one word. I don't remember it. <laughs> yeah. What the heck was it? Whatever it was, he was doing these, um, sponsored, uh commercials for them online for that thing and he was playing his basketball 
character and he just and it was just it was a fighting or die video and it was like a slew of commercials he was doing for deodorant and he was just saying all these stupid things about deodorant and it was funny because it was like the worst person you could ask to like do this commercial because the guy's an idiot like so he's like, like saying all this stuff about deodorant and they were just like dumb and i thought it was pretty funny i was like oh that's kind of a funny idea of a guy who went out and made commercials for a giant company and did they did not ask him to do it so mine was the fact that the comp- candy company didn't know these were being that they didn't ask this person to do this will ferrell's the company clearly was like, like oh you're a famous basketball player make us some commercials so mine was a crazy man in an alley who thinks <laughs> to help the butterfingers candy that the first the first one I did was a Butterfingers one, and yeah. they were just insane. And he thought he was the he was the self proclaimed spokesperson for Butterfingers. And then it became then I did uh, Skittles and then Twizzlers, and then I stuck went back to like Skittles and I did an M and M's one. So he became the self proclaimed spokesperson for candy. And I wanted the whole thing to be like this guy is just trying to attach himself to something, and get popular and he wants to he's trying to get the brand to be like oh you're a great spokesperson we'd love to hire you but it's never going to happen because he's a nut job but then it actually in reality it ended up happening because the commercials <laughs> the, the spots they were just like four minutes of 30 second spots and they got one of the skittles ones got really popular or hit like a million views that was that was pretty good for me a lot it was in like 2000 uh nine or eight or whatever whenever it came out it was a long time ago um and skittles was like these are really funny we like them and, and then they're doing some a little they sent me they started sending me skittles and i did this whole thing to win this vending machine because i thought they would just, just like give me one they're giving these vending machines to celebrities and the trail was mad that he didn't get one so then he he entered the contest and then he won the contest <laughs> and they were like oh you won here's the vending machine and then i shot a video with the vending machine a dance video a oh, no a commercial and we tried to make that one look a lot better like a legit 30 second commercial it's just me and my friend paul uh and my and my friend uh my brother seth dragging this vending machine down into the alley and then that was the first time if anyone knows broob the old man who's in a lot of my stuff his name is graham but i named him broob for the spots he uh <laughs> he's he's great yeah he's so funny he's such a cool guy too he's so nice he's down for anything he uh he was in that spot and then uh i added him to the trail world immediately after meeting him because he was so funny and uh that this whole trail lost world kind of blew up and then i did i became the actual spokesperson for like a year they like dubbed trail the spokesperson there was a huffington post article about it how about like i just kind of forced myself upon skittles and it ended up working and uh (laughs) Yeah, Trail just became, he got, he earned what he tried to do. Um, my final end goal was to get a TV spot with Trail of Wallace, but I don't know if that'll ever happen. I would love it. Maybe if I get like super famous, then they'll be like, oh, please do one of the commercials. I just wanted Trail to even just be in one of the national spots. And I've auditioned for actual Skittles commercials hundreds of times, maybe not hundreds, but I've gone in, in uh, for so many Skittles spots and, uh, I've never gotten them and I wonder if it's for, I go as Nathan, just kind of as like a regular actor, you know, and I wonder, I always wonder if it's because the people, cause I have worked with this one department of Skittles and then there's like the TV department. I was working with like the web advertising side 
and the uh, the advertising agency for the TV spots was a different agency. And I always wondered, and I even had callbacks. I'd go in for multiple, uh, you know, they'd want to see me again. So I was like, oh, I'm getting close. Maybe and then I'd be, I would be on a veil, which is like when they're deciding between you and another actor, they're trying to decide which actor to cast. That's like the final step. After you're on a veil, you book it. And if you're on a veil, there's a good chance you're going to get it. Um, so, so that's happened. And I never have booked one. And I always wonder if it's because they've looked into me and realized I'm already really associated with Skittles and it could be confusing in the spot if some, if the, because that's, Spots will sustain on its own the TV spot, and if they, people see it, and it's like, oh, true. This is all in my head. I'm just trying to figure out why I didn't get cast. It's probably just because they didn't like me enough. But I'm like, <laughs> no, it's because they found out I was Trail House and it screwed me over. But the whole goal for Trail was to be come get a TV spot to go from like this crazy man in an alley with a camera to living the actual dream. It'd be like this real meta storyline like it actually lived it turned out to be, be real um so maybe someday it'll happen i haven't really been doing too much skittle stuff lately because i've just been i only do whenever i make a video it's like because i have a genuine interest or like an idea pops in my head and i just do it so my video is like i can't be super consistent with all my characters because sometimes i just don't have an idea for someone and I, I can't really force it and a lot of times i'm just really i get so much material for keith because i have so many video games and i love video games it's easy for me to come up with material and i can just do it in my house but yeah, so that's just that's pretty much trail. <laughs> I can never like wrap up my little stories well. My God, uh, <laughs> no. that's trail. <laughs> well, that's okay. That's where I jump in and say, um, the, the, that's awesome, though. Trail. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I got you. I got this. <laughs> okay. Um, you know the the point that's really interesting about that. Not only did you have kind of this this goal in mind that this character was able to accomplish. I just I loved watching that. Uh, goal that was really crazy and awesome. The other thing you said that was really interesting is that you have all these different characters. So I, I think what you're doing is important that you only channel those characters when when the mood, the ideas, everything lines up um, because they have their own kind of boxes and it, it's great seeing them because they're so distinct. Yeah. When you watch, uh, you know, when you watch Keith, it's Keith. When you watch, mm-hmm. you know, Trail, it's definitely Trail. When you, you watch any of the these other characters, you've got so many of them. Ray Amsley, love what he's got going on. Love the, the whole shtick of uh, <laughs> the martial arts instructor with one leg. And yep, just, yep. I knew even, that's where you were going Even the humor's there. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and we got more to say on Ray, I know, oh, yeah. but, but I'm going to totally throw you off and throw something else in there. Cause one of my favorite characters is, uh, I believe his name's Cam Ping. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I love that guy. Oh, so there's, okay. So you, there was genius. There was two Cam Pings in my life. Um, okay. uh, you're probably talking about the champion guy, right? I am. Okay, I am. Cool. Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah. So that his name, I'm like, also, I, this, I wanted a name. I did this one character for a little while, but I guess I only did him live at the Upright Citizens Brigade. I did this character named Cam Peng, and he was like this ancient Chinese master. He was this like wise <laughs> Chinese man, and I did him at this UCB, and it was pretty funny. But my friends are like, "We think that's racist. You can't do that." And his name was supposed to be like an Oriental name, like or you know, an Asian name. Um, yeah. I don't think you can say Oriental. See, I'm like racist. I don't even know it because I'm just stupid. I don't know what you can can't say. So I probably should just stay away from doing any other race or nationality. Um, but his his name was Camping, which was camping. <laughs> his name yeah. was Camping. I thought that was funny, so I, I didn't do any more of him, just in case I was horribly racist. And uh, I used, I liked the name still. Um, so I used it for the champion guy. And I don't know if it really matches him, if it like makes, 
because I like when the name like really suits the person. And I still can't yeah. decide if that does, but whatever. That guy's a random mess, so I guess it makes sense. But yes, Cam Peng is one of my favorites. He's a real... I forget about him as a character. That's funny. Um, he's kind of a mixture of another character I used to do, which I would still love to do. Um, and if I ever do him, I got to figure out the hairstyle. Uh, I got to change it a little bit because Gal Sanglelis was an action sequence pro who was a guy who wanted to be like Chuck Norris. who's like a stunt double that never really worked but he loved doing stunts and talking about stunts and stuff uh he had a mean comb over on his head he had the, the, the claw going across his forehead and i hadn't done him in a while and i still like the comb over look so i used it for camping and then those videos got a lot more views than golf sanglelis is so that became cam's look was the comb over so if i ever do gall again i'm going to, have to like modify his comb over so it's not the same same character from eyebrows up you know so yeah, but Cam Ping, he 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 is technically nineteen years old, and he's like a kind of like a, a hipster in a way. It's kind of a joke on people that are so. There's a lot of people in LA that are so cool. They look horrible, but they dress like they. It is the thing people say out here is date or dad. It's like this thing where you're looking at a couple and you see the couple and you and you say, hey, is, is that a date or <laughs> is that the dad? Because you can't tell. And then there's also another thing people say, um, hipster or homeless. So, because sometimes you can't tell if someone's homeless or if they're just so cool, they look homeless because they're so right. and rotten and their clothes are random and a mess and their hair's rotten. So that's kind of what I think of him as he wears this giant tiger sweatshirt which a lot of people out here tell me that shirt's so cool i'd love to get that shirt and i'm like it's hideous it's enormous and it's a giant tiger this is this was ugly 10 years ago but now it's cool because also keith apicary's mom jeans his light blue <coughs> jeans are cool now and it, it's like no you can't become cool because then it makes keith like different it doesn't make him as lame like keith doesn't care about his clothes and his wardrobe and he's never He's never, like, really cared. That was his thing. But now it's like, his pants are cool? Give me a break. So Cam Ping is, the, is that. He's the epitome of, wow, this guy looks like a, like a moron and horrible. But in his head, he's really cool. He thinks he's, like, the coolest guy in the world. And all his songs are about how he's champing or, or you know, the number one guy. So well, I mean, you've you've created some so, and I and I, you know, hopefully your head won't get too big on this, but you've created some genius lyrics with that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, that uh, champion uh, chugging gigabytes. I mean, this is these are classics for the ages. Yeah, chugging gigabytes. That's one of my favorite phrases. I say that on my own a lot. And people are like, "Oh, what you do this night?" I was like, "Oh man, I was chugging gigabytes so hard. I was at the arcade." Like I went to the arcade last last night. I go to the arcade a lot, um, and I'm always just chugging gigabytes. And that means, for those who don't know, you're just consuming electronics, like hitting buttons, looking at like digital screens, hearing bleep bloop sounds. Like it can mean anything. It could be you're on the calculator all day. You've been chugging gigabytes all day, or you're like on your computer, or you're on your cell phone. Or you're in some virtual reality world. Anything electronic means you're just chugging gigabytes. And these guys love chugging gigabytes. They're like so hip and cool. They're always on the web. Because the whole joke was like, oh, we're on the web. 
<laughs> cool. So I think it's well, be on the internet for these, and they have like it, wicked data technology. These guys in the videos. So oh yeah, yeah. In the in the public library, <laughs> the public library internet. That's what I thought would be so, so funny. They don't even have their own computers. They're at like the library or the laundromat, and they go behind the counter where the guys and he's using the guy's computer. That's one of the shots. With dry cleaners and the guy had like a really dated pc and as i walked in in those clothes i was like oh can i use your computer for a picture and he's like what he didn't understand what i was doing and i just like went behind the counter and started like typing and then my brother was filming and you see the guy coming over to me to like because i think he was like kind of saying okay sure um and then he's kind of like leaning into the shot he's trying to saw us rolling he's trying to get out of the shot so i used the moment where he was in there because it's just this really awkward looking this is such a mess they're such a mess but i love them like i like videos where you can like shoot random junk and then smush it all together and make it something it's like there's random shots of like dried ice on the ground in that video <laughs> because they saw in their head i can really see they're thinking of like whoa dry ice that's like special effects and like you had they have that on music videos and like here's a little piece on the ground that's just steaming so they filmed it it was we were behind like some fish store and the fish came and dried ice and like a piece fell out of the box when they were unloading the fish so we filmed it <laughs> and it's just this block of ice that's steaming but for them and it's it's like two seconds long for them they're like wow that's high production value so there's it, a lot it, of things that's, in those videos that i don't know if people are registering though well and that's that's where i go with the genius part because <laughs> there's definitely an awful lot of thought and it shows and, and that's kind of what i wanted to get back to is is how you've created these different narrow buckets and and ideas and uh references and ideas of of characters um to channel this and, and and there's something really important for people to understand there that that brand recognition you don't want to dilute things you want to be able to focus and, and create this idea and i think you've been really successful at doing that well, um, with with a couple of those you know that we just mentioned um so let's get back to ray real quick he's the last one i want to talk about tell me tell me what's going on with ray amsley well so ray he i won't go too much into him because i just rambled too long um if you don't know Ray Amsley, he's a self-defense legend someday um, who has a wooden peg leg and he lives in a van. <laughs> um, it's a little <laughs> cliche, a guy living in a van, but it makes sense for him. So I was, and I like, the, my brother had this van that, well, I bought the van for Ray and we used it for videos and my brother ended up living in it for a year because he wanted to see if he could do it for a year. He just basically lived in the driveway um, and it became this life joke that we have about my brother which is a whole other long podcast <laughs> i could go on about my brother seth <laughs> aka Sheffid. if you've ever heard the name Sheffid, that's my brother's nickname so yes ray amsley he makes these self-defense tapes and um puts them at like videos and puts them on the internet and uh they're really bad and he has a wooden leg so he, has, he should not be teaching self-defense because he clearly can't self-defend himself <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, but the whole thinking of Ray Ansley that I don't know if it ever really comes across that I haven't been able to have a chance to like say this in, in the videos. Like, but my idea of Ray was that he, and I was going to put this in um, a longer, bigger piece that I will do at, on Ray at some point, And it'll kind of explain Ray. So then when you watch all the videos, you see them in a different light. Ray goes to the, v the video rental stores 
and rents VHS tapes, and then and he records over the previews his self-defense tapes. He puts them at the tape in his camera and records <laughs> self-defense lessons so that when people rent these tapes and they're watching the movie before the previews, when the previews start, they see him teaching self-defense, so it's free advertising for himself. But also, no one rents VHS tapes. <laughs> anymore <laughs> so it doesn't really do any good but it's a kind of a smart idea on his part if it was 20 years ago he right. was free advertising and uh that's why these videos are in v on vhs they're all kind of like dated looking on youtube is they've been loaded to youtube so um from vhs yeah from vhs so that's Ray. He uh, is a self-defense legend who doesn't really know what he's talking about. And he's also he teach he doesn't teach you actual self-defense lessons. He teaches how to self-defend against dying in your sleep or, or eating poison candy on Halloween or, or not dying from, from Bloody Mary when you say it in the mirror three times. He doesn't teach <laughs> against like murder robbers or he he just says over and over, never get murdered again. So if you, he's talking to people who've clearly already been murdered, so what, what's the point? What is he talking about? <laughs> so, yeah, he's an insane person. Well, I, I do recommend anyone who doesn't want to get murdered again check out Ray Amsley yes, because thanks. It's, it's helpful. Yeah, so I don't know if I was even answering the question. I kind of started talking about it, but you clearly know who Ray is. I don't know if I was, if I just still even go into the description. Um, but uh, Well, you, you clearly violated everything I had in mind, so we're, oh, we're done here. Oh. Oh, well, no, no, great! I ruined it. Well, he—I've uh, been trying to shoot this like feature, like not feature, but like this um short film with Ray, and I'm still in the works of doing that, and uh, possibly very close to doing it. I just can't say anything right now because it's still like okay. things are in the works. But um, we tried raising money, and my fans don't have any money, so it didn't work out. I needed thirty thousand dollars, and I'd never asked for money before. Like, oh, maybe I can get thirty thousand dollars because that's like the bare minimum what we need to shoot this thing, um, this this uh, half an hour short film because we want it to look like like Taken or like a Jason Statham film. We want it to look real slick, like an actual film, not just like a high quality video. Like sometimes people will put like short films out, and like it kind of just looks like a long video. You know, we want ours to look like. It's just half an hour of an actual feature film with like really good lighting, really good camera, great lenses, and it's just starring a man with a wooden peg leg. So it's like they, <laughs> the only one thing that's down in budget is the main actor. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's still in the works, and that will be Ray's like opus. Um, I'd love to do it as a series too. So that's the thing I'm trying to work on right now is where it, I can shoot this half an hour short film, but then do, that's just a pilot episode of it. And then we do a lot more. So I might potentially be to do a lot more than I originally attended. Originally it was just supposed to be a one-off short film on Ray Amsley, but now there's potential to do it as a series, a really high quality series. So that's sort of what's in the works right now with Ray. Man, that's good stuff. Yeah. That's so good stuff. To, to all the people who donated $5,000 to this, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I can't thank you enough. Um, and I swear you'll get your T-shirts and rewards once we get this thing shot and funded. So, yeah. So look forward to more race. Yeah, more so, race stuff, definitely. Just hopefully awesome. hopefully sooner than later. Yeah. Okay. Got a couple more questions right here. And before we wrap up, okay. um, this one is probably the most profound we're going to cover. Uh, which three video game characters would you choose for a carpool across the country? Hmm. I would choose Sonic 
guaranteed because I love Sonic the Hedgehog. Those are some of my favorite games. And he could get out and push if I ran out of gas. Probably wouldn't even need gas, actually. I could just have him push the whole time and I'd get there really quick. Um, so Sonic. Uh, my She Ran Ui. I'm saying that wrong. I don't know how to actually pronounce her name, but I, I thought that was correct for years and I found out recently I'm saying it wrong. Um, but My She Ran Ui, Neo Geo character. Um, she's such a babe so she'd be there for great great talks in the car and visual <laughs> pleasure um and uh geez these are all well, that's not sega character that's good but i was gonna say probably axel from streets of rage because if we were like okay, drove yeah. through a bad neighborhood somewhere i'd have axel a grand upper someone and protect me oh yeah and he's just a cool dude and we'd get along probably on literally everything so those, that's who I would choose. There's a lot of choices I could sit, go into, but I, those are probably the best. Maybe. I, I think that's a pretty solid carpool group. Yeah, pretty Sega heavy, but that's the kind of guy I am. <laughs> well, that's how you roll. Yeah, so. Sega heavy and Neo Geo when I'm feeling uh, ritzy, when I'm feeling rich, because it's a, it's a lot more pricier games. Oh my gosh, they are. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I never had a Neo Geo when I was a kid, because clearly it was never even talked about is not in the price range for my family but sega which was also a surprise i couldn't believe we got sega the year after but that was it blew my mind i've never been so freaked out or like so excited and happy on a christmas morning it was like one of those classic screaming christmas mornings couldn't believe i had sega because we were just we couldn't afford sega we couldn't, my parents couldn't afford anything i could not believe we got <laughs> sega it was awesome oh that was the best yeah sega's the best i had before that i had atari 2600 which uh, oh, yeah. we got long before that. We had that, and then ne- nothing. We just had Atari, and then I think I had like a Game Boy before that, before Sega. Yeah. So that was a that was a pretty huge step up. Oh, to go super from- huge! And it was a year after it came out. Everyone had gotten it the year before. So I was playing it at people's houses, and I so I we just didn't have a video game console at home like that. I had a Game Boy. My brother had the year Game Gear came out. My brother wanted a Game Gear, and he got it. And I got, I wanted a Game Boy, and I got the Game Boy because I just I liked the way it was shaped better. My parents were like, "Are, are you sure you don't want a Game Gear because it's color?" And they're like, "If your brother gets one, you're not gonna be happy." I did not care about the color screen. I liked the Game Boy so much. I liked Tetris and uh, the games. I liked um, Solar Striker was a game I really liked. So. I was more. Oh wow! Yeah, Boy. that's a classic. Yeah, one. it's so good. Good shoot 'em up. I still play that. Yeah, I have that. I have a Game Boy Store kiosk here at my house, and that's how I play all my Game Boy games. And I play Solar Striker often on that. It's it's a it's not very challenging, but it's really fun. So you can get through it and feel like a competent gamer. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love it, and it's good. It's al- it's always good to have those classics to go back yeah, to for sure. Yeah, you know, here's something, since we're doing this, this seems to be the secondary theme of uh, this particular show. I was sitting there with my, I have a five-year-old son, and I was sitting with him the other day, and we were playing Mega Man 2 um, Mm -hmm. on the new Mega Man Legacy Collection. came out for the the Game Boy uh, 3DS. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think they call it a Game Boy anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I just wanted to call it Game Boy 2, but I wish it was called Game Boy. I I always hope that they'd they'd bring that back, like make a new of some kind. It's such a cool name, but yeah, now it's just DS. Just so, yeah. so anyways, I'm playing this with him and he's like, Dad, why are you so good? I'm like, well, I've been playing this for 28 years. What? Wow. <laughs> wow. That's I'm old. Put the game away. And like, it's crazy because like I'm 35 and I guess to like some teenagers, that's an older person. 
but I still feel like I, and I, I don't know if you feel this way, but like you feel youthful. Like I guess you do till you die. Actually, you're like super old. Like everyone says, you never feel your age. But like I remember high school like it was yesterday. Like it, like not even just saying that as like the cliche phrase. Like I really remember so many things from like being a kid. It's like how am I old now? And the people are. I've been playing this game for someone's lifespan of twenty eight years. Yeah, I guess this is great. This whole podcast is really going into like self reflection and like self realization of how old we are. <laughs> oh, we sound like old people even talking about this. It's <laughs> crazy, but yeah. Well, anyways, let's... they're awesome, but they're really hard. Yeah, yeah, they they are. They're definitely nuanced. The uh, kids these days have no idea what it's like mm-hmm. back when you had to write your passwords down on oh, I copy paper. Hey, did you, oh, this this um sort of kind of segues is this sort of related the new Mortal Kombat code that came out. Have you heard about this? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah with all the like block button. Yeah, like, it, it, I just said it was neat because um yeah, like writing codes down was a thing, and it's been so long since like a code has come out or like a um, mm-hmm. save point. You know, they like a, some sort of old gaming you know method it hasn't come out in so long, so it's. Neat that there's this code that's going around now and people are doing it at arcades and I cooked one of arcades and people are doing the code and it's neat to have that. It's almost like, oh, cool. That hasn't happened for years because now it's just DLC or like hacking or modding a game. Yeah. It's, uh, well, and, and what's crazy is, um, you know, the way it used to spread too. I mean, with the internet and, and online FAQs, mm-hmm. like everything's there. I remember like having to go to the the store, grocery store, and like I, I didn't buy the magazines because like five dollars was a lot of money when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, it's, and, it's and so I would like photocopy the page with the codes I wanted on it, and then return it to the store. Yeah, that's smart. That's and, and then I then I had my little code book that I would have in my pocket when I went to the arcade or went to to visit a friend's house. Yeah, that's 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 cool. Like you had like I remember writing down. Like, I had notebooks of just random. If someone looked at it, it looked like I was like some science whiz or something. I was writing code for computers or something because it's just random sequences of numbers and letters. And, but it's just video game codes. And like I didn't remember what the ones were for what certain ones. I'd be like, wait, was it this code? But I wasn't labeling them. It's cool to like have to like earn the game, earn the winning of a game. Now it's just like. I play. I love the games that are out nowadays, like Just Cause Three or Just Cause Three or whatever. <laughs> All the Just Cause games and Uncharted. I love those kind of games, but they're not particularly challenging. It's just kind of like yeah. mundane, fun gameplay. But right. like, like Shovel Knight was the first game I played in a long time. I was oh, like, oh, this such is a cool. Good game. Like I have to be a little skilled here. I've been playing that. That's really fun. I like it's great. I like new and old, but like I favor old, and I don't know if it's because that's what I grew up with. But there's a lot of kids I meet now who are like 14 year old kids who only play old retro games because there is a difference. It's like it's a type of game. If you like that kind of game, whether you're young or old, it's you know, it's just, just different than like new view games. I don't even know if you like what the what what to call them. It's just like a it's just a living adventure in a way, you know. You're just roaming yeah, as a character, just doing random things. You're not. It's not like strategic necessarily. Yeah. So, so then let me ask you this: What have you learned in your own life from video games? What's a life lesson the games have taught you? Um. Well, I, mean, I don't know if it's sort of cliche or not, but it's. I feel like it's it's true. Like, especially in this um, industry that I'm in, which is just you can't give up. Um. But like, 
it like like a Mega Man game. You get to the end, the errata continues. You gotta just start all over. That happens so much, and like um, maybe it's helped me to build up. I think well, maybe two things. Video games have helped me. They help me to like you just can't stop. Just keep going until you get there because it's you know life is really hard and you have to keep uh, beating all these random obstacles that come at you and life is much like a video game and you just can't give up hope <laughs> you have to just keep going and that's why i had to remind myself a lot of the times i have to remind myself that i i just can't stop because like what else am i going to do I, I i started out to do this and i have to go until i conquer it and beat it and that's like, you know, Castlevania or something where it's like, oh, my God, I got to get to the end of this game. And the harder it is, the more you want to beat it. So they've taught me to never give up. But they've also, do you guys have also taught me this about life, that you can control life by doing a certain sequence of, of things. Like, there's a thing, like, I was talking to my friend about this the other day, like, you can, I can see... I have an outcome that I want to have. We'll use Trail of Wilds and, Sk- and Skittles as an example. It's like, okay, I would like to get the attention of this company and work for them. So I will make a video that will get their attention. You kind of have to like see A to C. You need to see like what will lead you to what. And if I do these videos, they'll see them and then they'll hire me. It's kind of like that. But uh, it, it also works it works on everything out here. It's like all the videos I've put out and seeing that and seeing success, I can then now do things like WWE. I used the, the Skittles thing. Like I, I got my own shoe from this Macbeth uh, com- this company called Macbeth Footwear because I was making videos and they contacted me and said, hey, we like your videos and you wear our shoes. You want free shoes? I was like, okay, cool. So then I really focused on the shoes and the videos and I'd sh- not show, straight up sell out and show them, but I like wore them in like all my videos because I genuinely liked the shoe company anyways. And then that led to me getting my own shoe. So like that, between that and Skittles and like meeting these bands, I was making videos for bands. And I swear there's a point to all this. I'm not just bragging about myself. <laughs> um, I, uh, I made these bands I liked their songs. I would make music videos or DJs and singers or whatever. I'd make their videos to their songs. And then they'd reach out and be like, hey, we like them. Here's some cash to make another one. So I'd make a better one with some funding. Um, I used all that thinking with WWE when I called out Dolph Ziggler as Keith. I wanted to be involved in WWE really bad. So I made that video. And then Dolph Ziggler responded. And he went back and forth. And then WWE found out what Dolph was doing and was like, oh, this is really funny. And then Vince McMahon caught on a little too late, but he eventually he caught on when I did um, another video with Dolph in it recently where Keith's just getting hit in the head with chairs. He was trying to be on Tough Enough. So the video games have taught me, it's like, well, if you beat, beat this one mini boss, then you can get up in front of the big boss. If you beat that, then you win. So I kind of like, in a way, it's like, okay, if you do this, that will get this door to open. And then when you're in there, you can do this. You have to kind of see like five steps ahead and nothing is like, oh, I get famous after I make a video. It's like, no, you make 1,500 videos and then you get what you want and you have to be ready to go for the ride, I guess. Um, this is, I'm really bad at analogies. This is why I'm just no, that's, that's... on and on. But uh, it really seems to make sense. It's like, okay, I have a goal. I set something up and I put it in my head and I'm like, okay, well, by this time, hopefully in like six months, I'll have all, all these steps accomplished and then I will be at my goal. So... Yeah. No, I mean that's that's perfect. Um that's that's what uh the author Stephen Covey talks about. He he says begin with the end in mind. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. You have to have the goal in sight. 
Yeah, and and it, and I think those are great case studies for anyone who's looking for examples of of setting a goal and going after it. Uh, you know, a lot of the a lot of the evidence is out there. You can go see the videos, and you can kind of follow the trail. That's the beauty of the internet, and you yep. can see this journey. Yeah. So. Nathan, I got to thank you so much for your time. I think you've given some really great ideas and stories and great examples. I, I thank you for being generous with those. Let me ask this. Where can listeners check out your work? Where's the best place for them to go to connect? Um, I guess just my YouTube. Um, is, that's where I put all my stuff. Is just YouTube. You can just type in youtube.com slash barnat, barn, A-T-T. That'll work. But, but, uh, or you can just search Nathan barnett and you'll find me um everywhere uh but i'm mostly i do a lot of like live streaming on my facebook page so if you like follow my facebook fan page you can um so you can like interact with me a lot i love 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 talking to people and uh going back and forth with comments so i do a lot of live streams lately where uh, people will be commenting i'm just like talking back and forth with them and you can kind of see me out in my random life doing things so that facebook and youtube is where you can kind of like get in touch with me so but also the other things like instagram and twitter and all that junk but whatever there's too many things nowadays <laughs> find me wherever you want to find me and i'll yeah, you can get in touch with me and, and watch all my nonsense awesome well we'll have links to those in the show notes awesome. Nathan, thank thanks you. again well thank you for having me i appreciate you asking me uh major compliment being asked to do something like this so thank you very much <laughs>